Welcome to the First Right Podcast, a weekly conservative news show brought to you by Restoration of America. I'm your host, Jerry Ewalt, Chief Marketing Officer for Restoration of America. And today we are blessed to have a first-time guest, Nicholas Giordano, a passionate and unwavering advocate for the principles of limited government and individual liberty. Nick is a full-time academic as well as the host of the political podcast, The PAS Report. Well, Nick, it's, uh, it's an honor to have you on the show today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate being on. So uh, what I love about you, Nick, is your, your ability to jump into almost any topic in the conservative movement. Uh, but before we do that, I want, I want you to tell me a little bit about yourself so the audience can get to know you. Well, I have an interesting uh, career field. So I, I teach at a college, and I am one of the very few conservative professors that do exist in this world. We're not unicorns. We actually do exist. I've been teaching nearly 20 years now, American government and world politics. Part of that time was in a, as an adjunct, where I only taught part-time as a full-time job. I was in Homeland Security and Emergency Management, working with state, local, and the federal government, developing plans, and then responding to disasters. In 2013, I, I went full-time to academics, and it, it's been an interesting ride, to say the least. The student body has changed. But in, in about 2019, my students encouraged me to start a podcast because they believe that the message isn't getting out there as far as what America is all about, the, the intent behind the founding of this country and, and what the founding fathers were trying to do. So the rest is history. I, I started doing the podcast. I've been on multiple news outlets. And it really is amazing. It started off as something that was a hobby, and now it's almost like a full-time thing. Well, I, and I love that you're doing it because there's so much hot air on both sides of the aisles. Sometimes it's good to get back to the basics and an academic approach of what we're trying to accomplish in this country. So I, I, I love your podcast and I love the, the way you approach things. And so there's so many topics I think that we can, we can touch on, but the one that's uh, maybe most burning in, in my mind right now is the topic of domestic terrorism and, and white supremacy. And, and it's just, it's mind boggling to hear the administration, the current administration right now talking about that as being the number one threat to our country. You've spent a lot of time on this topic. Can you, can you give us a little bit of an overview and what you're seeing uh, the Biden administration put out? Sure, and just to rehash to the audience, I'm someone that's actually been in emergency management and Homeland yeah. Security. I've done threat assessments, risk assessments, been plenty uh, to exercises and training of federal officials and state and local responders. So when it comes to terrorism, it's something I know a lot about, but in the last few years, I've been growing increasingly concerned uh, about what the administration is constantly deeming as domestic terrorism. They've been throwing that word out a lot lately. And when you look at what they've done, so in June of 2021, the Biden administration released the National Strategy for Countering Domestic Terrorism. This is a 31-page document. I encourage everyone to read it. It's very simple to understand, but there were a bunch of things that jumped out at me. First was this idea of anyone expressing anti-government, anti-authority sentiment could be labeled as a possible domestic terrorist. The problem I have with that is that's extremely vague and open-ended. What does anti-government actually mean? What does anti-authority actually mean? I mean, in my classroom, I routinely criticize government and government authority. I, I routinely criticize the policies of government. It, it's part of my job to do that, especially when in keeping with the founding fathers and the concept of limited government. So is that anti-government? When we look at something like COVID uh, and the response to COVID, 
Anyone who criticized lockdowns, anyone that criticized mask mandates or vaccine mandates, well, now are they expressing anti-authority sentiment? We did see 1,200 public health officials sign a letter stating anyone protesting lockdowns and mask mandates were protesting and pushing white supremacist ideology. So it was really concerning that, that they started using this and applying the label of domestic terrorism to essentially anyone that dissented from what the government was putting out there. And that's not America. That's not what America is all about. But it goes further. It talks about how you could incite domestic violent extremism and then you could be labeled a domestic terrorist. So this was issued in June of 2021. And I warned about it then. I actually warned about it on Tucker Carlson's show on Fox News. Now, fast forward six months and what did we see? Well, we actually saw the Department of Justice issue a memo regarding parents protesting at school boards. Mm -hmm. That when parents went to school boards, they were concerned about what their children were learning. They were concerned about what's in the curriculums. Well, now they could be investigated under the Patriot Act for the purposes of domestic terrorism. Department of Justice says, no, we, we never did that. We never classified parents as domestic terrorism. Well, we have FBI memos that actually threat tagged parents. They didn't allude to any type of specific threats parents made. They just said that because they got loud at a school board meeting, now we have to threat tag them. And it's amazing because now you can't express outrage towards, you know, school board officials when it's your children's education that's at stake. Then you look at the disinformation governance board that uh, Secretary Mayorkas wanted to put out there. He announced that they were going to create this disinformation governance board, or you could call it the Ministry of State, whatever you want. And essentially, it's what the government would deem as misinformation and disinformation. And you see these and hear these words a lot, misinformation, disinformation. But the amazing part is the largest purveyors of disinformation and misinformation throughout history have been government officials for propaganda purposes. So when we look at domestic terrorism and we hear that the, the country is filled with all these domestic terrorists, you have the president feeding into this by labeling nearly half the country as fascist and the most violent people to exist since the beginning of this country, it's a cause of concern. It should alarm every single American and then they throw in white supremacy. Right. And they push this idea that America essentially is more racist today than it's ever been, but it doesn't make any sense. So if we use the Southern Poverty Law Center's own numbers, they estimate that between 4,500 and 6,500 individuals are part of white supremacist organizations. Now, this is a far left organization that's putting right. that out there. Well, we're a country of 329 million people. There's always going to be hate-filled rejects that do exist. However, if we go back to the early 1900s, the Ku Klux Klan alone had 4 million members in a country of 129 million people. So this threat of white supremacy, I don't see it where the government says it exists. And when we look at how the government looks at organized crime, they're constantly putting out flowcharts of the Italian mob. They, they put out flowcharts when it comes to Al Qaeda and ISIS. Who's the leadership? Who's involved? Who are the soldiers and the capos? What is their command and control? What's their operational structure? What are their operational capabilities? Well, when it comes to white supremacy, do we know the groups involved? They never speak. They never name these groups out in public. They, they don't identify who the leaders of these groups are. I thought they it was white talk. suburban moms, Nick. 
Well, well, that's the thing. It's so amorphous. It could apply to anyone (laughs) and everything. And that's the concern. You know, they they don't call anyone out by name. They don't tell us what the operational capabilities are. If the 9-11, the Department of Homeland Security, uh, when it was created, created the see something, say something campaign. If you see a person on a 90 degree day wearing a winter coat, hey, that's a little suspicious. So inform someone. If you see wires dangling out of the bottom of that coat, that's even more suspicious. So be careful and call the cops. Here, they constantly talk about white supremacy, but they don't tell us what to look for, what we should be concerned about, or what we should be reporting to authorities. So I, I'm a little suspicious of the growing white supremacists that exist. And then you look at headlines like Latinos are the new white supremacists. And since when did that happen? Now, right. now every Latino is a white uh White supremacist. It really is stunning. But but Nick, so Nick, help me out here, right? You you've walked us through like this progression, right? So I, I know things have been happening before COVID, but there seems to be this acceleration. COVID hits. Parents start waking up. Parents want their kids back in school. Then they realize there's all these DEI initiatives. Then there's you know. Um, what uh, all the white supremacist stuff that's coming on board? There's uh, the banning of books, or, or people are proposing banning of books, and they're saying that's what they want to do. And, and now you're moving again into this whole white supremacist agenda that being the biggest threat. Again, I, I, I use the word agenda. Maybe I shouldn't have yet, but there seems to be what, what you're explaining. All these things are happening, but the question is why? Why are these things happening? Why are white people? Why are Catholics? Why is the FBI targeting? Catholics, right, as, as these conservative Catholics are the, the biggest threats of the country. What, why is this all happening now? It's partly conservatives' fault because conservatives have allowed the far-left agenda to, to have the loudest voices in the room without speaking up and speaking out against what we're seeing. And then it also comes down to power. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what it, usually things boil down to when it comes to government and politics. It's not like we haven't seen this game get played before. It may be new in the American system. We may not have seen it in the American system the way we see it today, but this has been introduced by governments throughout history. It's where you demonize your political opponents. You demonize them to the point where their political points of view are no longer acceptable, where their political points of view are considered extremists. And that's where the left has actually been very successful in this country, particularly the Biden administration. For the last 60 years, or, or 50 years. It used to be that those on the conservative side were pro-life, and there was nothing wrong with pro-life. You may have disagreed with people yeah. that express pro-life sentiments, but there was nothing wrong with that. Well, what has the left done? Well, now it's extremists mm. to be pro-life. You want to take away women's reproductive rights. You want to take us back to the 1900s. Mm. And they've been able to do this on a number of positions where they moved the debate so far left that the center begins to move with it, and that's Mm. the danger. You know, if you would have told me 30, 40 years ago, or or even 10 years ago, that we would have debates of whether or not abortion should be in the ninth month of pregnancy right before a baby is born, I I would have scoffed at I would have laughed at that and said, that's not possible. If you would have told me that we would have been debating what is a man and what is a woman and whether or not drag shows for children are acceptable, that would have been something that wasn't even on my radar screen. We wouldn't be debating these issues 10, 15, 20 years ago, yet here we are today. So yeah. the left has used the word extremist and far right extremist as a bludgeoning tool. That if you dissent from any point of view that's being put out there by these government bureaucrats and the ideologues that exist, 
you're technically an extremist where it's like, no, I hold actually moderate position. I'm sure 90 percent mm -hmm. of parents out there would agree with me that we shouldn't be introducing gender ideology to children as young as kindergartners. I think 90 percent would be on the same board, regardless of political party. But, but yet but yet we let it happen. Right. I mean, how many school boards continue to move towards the left, even as people wake up to this of what's going on? But so they continue to allow it to happen, though. How, how do we stop this? Well, we got to continue to speak out and actually take the power back. You know, one of the things that did surprise me during the pandemic, when the pandemic first hit, again, I'm someone that was in emergency management. I developed yeah. pandemic plans. I worked on them. I trained with officials that were the so-called experts. And in all the planning we did in 2010, 2011, we never called for universal lockdowns. We spoke about it and said it's not possible. We, we never spoke, uh, uh, called for universal mass mandates because we understand that you can't really do that. And the fact is that most Americans, they don't know how to wear masks. They're, they're not sure of what masks work. You know, Fauci said, wear masks. Anything's better than nothing. Now he's saying that cloth masks, well, it's only 10% on the margins that they work. We all knew this prior to the coronavirus. That's what's so frustrating. But what really frustrates me is how many people blindly obeyed and complied as the government was destroying their livelihoods. These are what the government did. I said prior to the coronavirus, well, that could never happen in the United States. The American people wouldn't tolerate it. The American people wouldn't stand for it. I was completely wrong because half the country, even yeah. actually more than half the country, actually supported these measures. Right. Now, as time went by, people started to open their eyes, but but people were very obedient and compliant. They didn't push back at all. They didn't raise questions. They, they didn't say, hey, this isn't normal that governors can dictate all these decrees without any real input from the state legislative body. What happened to debate and dialogue in this country? So we allowed it to happen. And I think that went to public officials heads where they say, see, we can push them. You know, yeah. fear is the great motivator. And I was engaging in a conversation and we're talking about really smart people here. We're, we're, all these people that the, all the doctors and virologists and epidemiologists that went along, they all fell victim to what we call groupthink in political science and psychology. And, and it's that you go along with the group because you don't want to be the outsider. You don't want to be penalized. You want to be called out. In any event, they all went along with it. And it really was highly disturbing. I was talking with someone that I work with, a colleague, a really smart person. And he says, and I said, well, what about the Constitution? What about the protections in place? What about liberty? I mean, the Constitution ju doesn't just disappear during a crisis. Our fundamental rights don't just uh, disappear during a crisis. And he said, the how with your Constitution, I want to live. Now, that was very revealing, and it shows that there's a lot of people that have a very small regard for the Constitution of the United States, and that's why the government has been able to effectively do this. They also silenced a lot of people. I mean, let's face it, there's a lot of people that are afraid to speak out because they fear being labeled. If you get hit with one of the labels, it could destroy your livelihood. Yeah, it's, it's the courage to stand up for what's right. That's why I hear you're saying. Nick, the other thing that uh, I know is a passion for you is the education system, right? You've talked about re reform in the education system. Here at ROA, we've spent a lot of time talking about, you know, elementary through high school with all the school board battles across the country. I think that's a great place to start, no doubt, because they're, they'll definitely infiltrate it in a lot of this left ideology uh, and, a, and a lack of focus on the Constitution, as you mentioned. 
But you also talk a lot about the academic, the higher level academic institutions, universities out there. Speak a little about what's going on in the universities and what needs to be done to, to, to right that ship. Well, about 12 years ago, I started to notice a trend in higher education with the students I was receiving. Every semester, the first day of the semester, I give my students a citizenship exam. Mm. And it has very basic questions about the United States, about the government. So who is the Speaker of the House? Uh, what branch of government can declare war, has the power to declare war? How many justices are on the Supreme Court? Name one of the two senators from New York State. So we're talking very yeah. basic questions of things that they should know when they get into my classroom. This is college level. And then I also give them the Russian Constitution, but I replace Russian Federation with United States everywhere. And the purpose of it is, is I want to see if students can identify that they're not reading the United States Constitution. Well, unfortunately, and this may be dismay to your audience, 93% uh, of my students will actually fail these uh, exercises. Oh. They'll fail the constitutional test. They'll, they'll fail the citizenship exam. And I, I started to notice that the numbers were getting worse and worse. And again, we're talking about basic information. Like, I'm not getting in-depth in theory. We're talking about just core basics that students should know when they leave high school. And so it got me to start looking at what is going on, what's actually being taught. And when you look at the basic proficiency levels of the student body, it, it's pathetically low. I mean, you're talking about, it depends on the subject area, but anywhere from 13 to 25% of students are meeting basic proficiency levels in the subject material. 13% when we talk about American history, 22% when we talk about civics, 25% when it comes to math. And then you look at the international rankings of where we stand in education, and, and we rank, I believe it's about 25th right now, we're waiting for the new PISA rankings to come out, which I have no doubt that we will drop in the rankings. And each year there's a list of the top schools throughout the entire world when it comes to the university systems. And America usually dominates this list, but for the last five years in a row, we've actually been losing on this list. We've been, you know, universities are dropping off, Chinese universities have been increasing and gaining on us. And so what are students actually learning? Well, it turn, turns out they're not learning the important stuff that they need to know. Instead, many of times they're being filled with indoctrination. And it's not that the indoctrination necessarily comes from the teachers. It's that it's built into the curriculums and into the textbooks that teachers, yeah. ordinary teachers, I'm talking about those in K through 12, right. have little control over. Uh, if you're a teacher in the K through 12 system, a lot of times it's the state education departments that are building out these curriculums. Yeah. And those teachers have to teach what's in the curriculum. And the textbooks, teachers at the K through 12 level don't have the luxury of ordering textbooks that they want. They have to use whatever the textbook is that the Department of Education puts out there, uh, recommends and that the state contracts with. And so you see a lot of indoctrination within the textbooks. And, and this has led to, uh, it's not education. We're not teaching students how to critically think in, in order to ask questions and, and raise their level of consciousness. We're not teaching students to seek out truth. We're not teaching students to be good members within our society, yeah. productive members within our society. Instead, we're teaching them some really common core mathematics, which I understand the STEM programs are important, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. And we yeah. did that 
but at the expense of American government, American politics. Mm. We're not teaching that. We're not focusing on that. And we moved away from focusing on America because of the idea that we need to have more diversity within the curriculum. So we need to teach a world approach when it comes to education. You know, the, it wasn't malicious initially. 20 years ago, sure. the, the theory was that if you're living in America, you're going to learn about America just by living here. Well, obviously, that's not true. Yeah. Uh, but in, in this push to learn about the global world order, they buried America right. and they don't teach America. They don't teach liberty. They don't teach the concepts that the founding fathers saw as, as essential to the lifeblood of humanity. Well, well, before you know it, you get citizens that hate America. They're, because why not? You're a global citizen. You're, you just may happen to live in the United States, but you're a global citizen. So that's not a surprise. Correct. And factor in how they're constantly talking about how America is built in, uh, was created in sin, that it's yeah. the sin, sin of slavery and racism, that the sole purpose of the founding of this country was based on that sin. And so everything created by, by these slave owners was created in sin and, and must be done away with. And you start to see what's going on, this negative perception about the United States, the anti-Americanism that we're seeing where only 38% of the American people feel that patriotism is very important. Yeah. We're seeing the effects of this. There's less of a loyalty. But it, what they say doesn't meet reality, right? I mean, we are seeing a migration surge of illegal immigrants crossing the border like we've never seen before. We're yeah. talking about thousands upon thousands upon thousands per day. Why would they be coming to a nation that is so hateful, that is so racist, that just wants to keep them down? Why would they come here? if that was true. And it's because it's not true. It's all a lie that's being pushed on the American people. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's uh, it's been it's been overwhelming. And it's it's hard to believe that we're actually in this spot right now. But we are. And we've talked about how we got to get out of it. So, so Nick, we've talked a lot of a, a lot of different topics already. Is there something that we haven't brought up that's really on your mind that, that the audience should know about? Well, I, I just think that the American people, the, the people listening, they need to get more involved. And what I mean by that is, first of all, they need to brush up on their own understanding of America and American history. Yeah. They need to brush up on, on their constitution. And I think that's really important because you can't sit there and debate what the left if you don't know the founding principles of this country. I also think it's incumbent on each and every one of us to speak out more forcefully. Now, not engage in any type of physical violence, but just right. to say, no, we're not going to tolerate this anymore. Yeah. Contact members of the legislative bodies at the state, the local and the federal level. You know, one of the things I always hear is, well, what could I do? I'm just one person. Well, if all these one peoples start calling members of Congress, you'll see how quickly members of Congress change their tune. And you don't just have to, right. you know, it's not like there's a law and you could only call your member of Congress. You could call all 535 members, the 435 in the House and the 100 senators, you could call them all and lodge your complaints with them. Sooner or later, they will listen and they will start to take on. If they're worried about losing an election, they're going to go with who's calling their office, who gets involved. And so I think conservatives need to do a better job of that. But I also think conservatives need to do a better job and, and actually go into the education system become the teachers. You know, they took mm -hmm. a hands-off approach to education for a long time. Many wanted to go into finance and law and, right. and med school and make money, uh, but we're seeing the effects of that. That, you know, yes. we're seeing that the left now has a stranglehold. 
We need more conservatives in academia, not less. We need more conservatives in government positions, not less. So look at civil service positions. Try and get involved in the board of elections. We're constantly complaining about elections. Well, what have you done? And so join the board of elections. And it's those things that could actually make a difference. Yeah, no no matter the stage of life that you're in, there is plenty that you can do. So I I love, so stand up and be bold and and, and do what needs to be done. So that could be school boards, that could be becoming a teacher. There's a lot, running for office. There's a lot of things that you can do. The other thing that you mentioned is you got to, you got to get grounded in the Constitution. We've, we've moved away from the Constitution so much. And one of the things that we've done at Restoration of America is we have a uh, partnership with Hillsdale. And Hillsdale has some great Constitution classes that are free, that anyone can take it. And I encourage a lot of people to, uh, people to sign up for that. I've done it myself. I, uh, I'm guilty, as you said. If I were to take your class, I'd probably be in the failing group. Not now, but I'd say about a year ago. Uh, so I've taken a lot of those classes myself and, and I've learned a lot from it. And I, I couldn't agree with you more because we seem to just trample all over the Constitution right now and people just don't know what it is and why it's so important. No, they certainly don't. I mean, and listen, I'm someone, I've been teaching this stuff for like 20 years and I'm constantly learning. I, even last night I was watching a documentary on the American Revolution and there were mm-hmm. names that I never even heard of. Yeah. Uh, that were actually brought up that that piqued my interest, so I investigated more. And and that's the part of history I love. I mean, there's so much of it that we just don't know because we haven't looked. You know, most people are totally unaware of of Filippo Mazzi and his contribution to creating the Declaration of Independence. I mean, he was an Italian merchant that came (laughs) over to the United States and became friends with Thomas Jefferson, and Italians were not very, they weren't looked at in the best of light uh, here in the colonies. And yet it was that relationship that forged the idea of all men being created equal like that. That's one of the parts of our unknown history that nobody knows about. And it took Congress 200 years to pass a resolution to recognize Filippo Mazzi's contribution to the United States. But there are much many more stories about that. And that's one of the ways that you fix the education system and push back against these DEI initiatives. How's about we teach the totality of American history, both the good and the bad? You know, we we want to talk about black Americans. Well, let's talk about some of the black patriots that made a difference during the American Revolution, like Peter Best or or Peter Salem. I mean, these were incredible individuals. And so students should be learning about them. And I think that would make a a, a big difference throughout our society. Well, well, Nick, I love your passion for education. And if, uh, if they can't take your course at the university, how could they learn from you? They could always go to the PAS Report website, PASReport.com. That, that's the podcast I do. The podcast is on every podcast platform, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts. So you can check it out just by typing in the PAS Report or Nicholas Giordano. I'll pop up everywhere. And I do teach on my podcast. I will talk about yeah. the Constitution over and over again because even conservatives have forgotten why the Constitution is so important. The reason that the federal government has grown so large and so powerful is because we have this constant knee-jerk reaction and when something's wrong in society we turn to the federal government to fix it now as government has grown larger and become more powerful the problems are worse than ever right there's like a direct correlation they haven't been able to solve anything and people have forgotten about the concept of federalism that our system's supposed to be based off of where we have state and local governments that have certain powers and then the federal government that has certain powers. Unfortunately, the federal government is usurping most of the power and authority and we're allowing them to do that. 
Yeah, we, we unfortunately that is that is so true. But uh, we can get educated through your, your podcast and and people like you. So Nick, thank you so much for all that you're doing and, and keep up the good fight. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. All right. Well, that's our show for today. Thank you so much for tuning in and supporting conservative media. Don't ever forget that by working together and staying diligent, we conservatives can bring our country back to true greatness. Until next week, let's all keep praying that God will continue to bless America. First Right, a new kind of news summary without the liberal slant. Every morning, in your inbox, always free. Subscribe by texting First Right to 30161. That's First Right, all caps, one word, to 30161.